In May 2006, a rice paddy on the Indonesian island of Java began to bubble and quake before the ground underneath it burst open. Mountains of fiery, steaming mud spewed from the hole, spilling across almost two and a half square miles. The waves of muck swallowed roads, factories, and houses. Nearly 40,000 people had to evacuate. In total, the eruption cost $2.7 billion in damages. 20 people died. The mud completely changed the landscape in the area. Even today, eruptions continue to flood local highways and villages. For years, scientists debated what caused the patty to explode so suddenly. Some believed it was caused by an earthquake that hit the island two days earlier. Others suspected it might have something to do with an oil company drilling for natural gas nearby. By recklessly cutting costs and corners, the organization's negligence could have wiped out an entire neighborhood. Experts concluded that both hypotheses were technically correct, but they placed most of the blame on the natural gas distributor Lapindo Brantas. When geoscientist Andres Russo discovered the boiling river in Peru five years later, he couldn't help but draw comparisons to the incident in Java. Without knowing the source for the river's power, he wondered whether the steam was the result of a similar accident. The idea terrified him. Could the sacred, mystical, boiling river be man-made? And could it be polluting the Amazon? Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our final episode on the Boiling River. Located in the central Peruvian Amazon, this body of water is considered the hottest tributary in the world, with temperatures ranging from 100 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Last time, we explored the myths and legends that surround the Boiling River. Indigenous Peruvians believe that a giant serpent spirit, the Yakumama, lives in and protects the river. We also detailed the arrival of Spanish conquistadors to Peru, who encountered the waterway sometime in the 16th century. This time, we'll examine geoscientist Andres Russo's quest to determine the source of the Boiling River's incredible heat. An underground volcano? A hidden geothermal system? Or was it the result of humankind's relentless pillaging for resources in the Amazon rainforest? We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The boiling river is so hot that falling in its waters could mean certain almost immediate death. Its indigenous name, Shanai Tempishka, roughly translates to boiled by the sun. But when geoscientist Andres Russo set out to discover the source of the waterway's abnormally high temperatures, he knew it couldn't be the sun. If that were the case, there'd be a lot more boiling rivers in the world. Russo's first theory was volcanoes. It seemed like a good place to start. Active volcanic systems heat plenty of rivers in springs. Why not in Peru? Well, as far as Russo knew, only two magmatic systems could come close to delivering the type of energy needed to heat a river to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. First, underneath America's Yellowstone National Park lies a supervolcano, the Yellowstone Caldera. As its name suggests, a supervolcano is capable of creating an eruption thousands of times larger than an ordinary volcano. Geologists have determined that the Yellowstone caldera has erupted three times in its history. The last occurred over 600,000 years ago. There's no indication we're due for another eruption anytime soon. But to give you a sense of its power, if the Yellowstone caldera did erupt, scientists suspect that the sun would effectively be blocked out by the clouds of ash released. It could even trigger another global ice age. The caldera's heat warms the park's geysers and hot springs, as well as Montana's own boiling river. Though not quite as hot as Peru's, temperatures range from 110 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Second, Underneath the Reykjadalur Valley in Iceland lies a hub of geothermal activity that warms its waters. The name Reykjadalur translates to steam valley for a reason. Beneath the valley, a system of inactive volcanoes have given way to geothermal pockets of heat. Like the Yellowstone caldera, these tectonic engines warmed the area's many hot springs and geysers to impressive temperatures. So, Russo knew it was possible for a volcano to act as the figurative stove that heated the boiling river's waters. But both Yellowstone and Reykjadalur were thousands of miles away, much too far to be responsible for a river in the Amazon. As far as Andres Russo knew, Peru's boiling river was more than 400 miles away from the nearest active volcano. According to Russo, most of Peru's volcanoes have been completely dormant for two million years. Their magma has long since cooled into rock. 
But that didn't mean that an undiscovered underground volcano didn't exist. And if one did, Russo knew of a simple test that could provide a clue. In early 2011, Russo reached out to his aunt, who claimed to have visited the Boiling River years earlier. He wanted to know if the waterway smelled. If a volcanic system powered the tributary, there would likely be an aroma of sulfur, which sort of smells like rotten eggs. But she didn't remember detecting anything strange. And given sulfur's pungent odor, no recollection likely meant that it didn't smell at all. Rousseau finally traveled to the Boiling River later that same year. Upon reaching the stream, he immediately confirmed his hunch. His aunt's sensory memory was accurate. It was odorless. But after measuring the water's temperatures for himself, Russo discovered that the river started cold, then flowed hot for almost four miles and stretched as wide as a two-lane road. If he was looking for a volcano, he was looking for a really large volcano. Russo took water samples that he brought back with him to the States. When the results came in, they put an end to any suspicion of an underground magmatic system. If the fluid had been heated by a volcano, it would have contained particles of the magma that heated it. But the river's water was meteoric, meaning it had the same biological fingerprint as rain. The heat had to come from somewhere else. It wasn't the answer Rousseau wanted. His next hypothesis was much more harrowing. He wondered whether the boiling river wasn't a naturally occurring phenomenon at all. In a sense, it might be caused by greed. The Peruvian Amazon is a rich source of fossil fuels, which can be extracted by drilling into the Earth's crust and then pumping oil to the surface. Companies also use a process called hydraulic fracturing or fracking. This technique uses pressurized liquid to shatter faults in bedrock and release oil or gas. Both techniques had caused disasters that then led to the creation of geothermal systems. We discussed one of the most famous incidents at the top of this episode, the 2006 volcanic mud eruption in Java, Indonesia. A 6.3 magnitude earthquake hit Java 150 miles west of an active drill site where engineers probed for natural gas deposits two miles below the Earth's surface. Hours after the earthquake hit, fluid rushed into one of the engineers' boreholes from deep underground. Soon, around 365 barrels of muddy water spurted to the surface. Workers sealed off the leak, but the pressure continued to build. Two days later, the rice paddy 500 feet away from the oil well burst, spewing mud and steam across the region and ruining thousands of lives. Russo couldn't help but wonder if something similar might be pouring into the boiling river in Peru. Indonesia might be a world away, but 1,000 miles to the northwest of the Boiling River is a desert called Talara, known for its oil reserves. Corporations that mine its resources there have had a history of ecological mistreatment. And just over a mile away from the Boiling River was the Agua Caliente oil field, 
which literally translates to the hot water oil field. Maybe they knew something Russo didn't. Maybe the boiling river was such a mystery because if the world knew the truth about what created its heat, it might affect profits. Coming up, how drilling and fracking can affect our planet. Every culture has them, and so many of us believe in them. They're at the intersection of chaos and fate, warning against bad omens and directing us toward fortune. But are superstitions simply about exerting control in an unpredictable world? Or can they truly sway supernatural forces to work in our favor? Every Wednesday on Superstitions, step inside stories that illustrate the horror, weirdness, and truth behind humanity's strangest codes of conduct. Why do black cats represent witchcraft? What's the point of carrying a rabbit's foot around with you? And how come certain films seem cursed and others don't? Each new episode of Superstitions presents a story that unlocks the mysteries of superstitions and surreal phenomena. They may seem mystical, or strange, or completely illogical, but one thing is certain, you ignore them at your own risk. Take a closer look at what you believe. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Superstitions, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now back to the story. In 2011, geoscientist Andres Russo traveled to the Boiling River, a legendary waterway in the heart of the Peruvian Amazon. He initially suspected that an underground volcano might be the root cause of the river's unusual temperatures, but some simple lab tests told him otherwise. He then considered another terrifying possibility. The river's temperatures were linked to an oil field accident. Nearby drilling or fracking somehow ruptured the Earth's crust, and volcanic mud was heating it from below. If true, he knew his most likely culprit, the operators of the Agua Caliente oil field. First opened in 1938, to this day, Agua Caliente is the oldest continually operating drill site in the Amazon. And it's located just over a mile south of the Boiling River, the scientist wanted to be wrong. Finding anecdotal evidence wasn't difficult. During one of his visits to Peru, Russo asked a shaman's apprentice, who was familiar with the area, how long the waterway had been superheated. The man replied, basically saying that it had been boiling since before the time of the grandfathers. Russo assumed this meant before 1938, but he needed hard evidence to corroborate the man's claim. And he knew what that evidence was. He'd already spent years trying to obtain it, 
1933 study by American geologists Robert B. Moran and Douglas Fife. Since the report's data sets were taken five years before Agua Caliente oil field ever set up camp, it was crucial to determining what, if any, effect drilling had on the river. He just needed to find the research that eluded him for so long. Then, in February 2013, Russo opened a web browser and typed Moran and Fife into a search engine for what felt like the millionth time. But this time, he found something. The words, Guide to the Robert B. and William R. Moran Papers, popped up on his screen. After years of dead ends, he finally had a lead. Russo boarded a plane to visit the archives at the University of California, Santa Barbara, where the internet told him the scientist's files were kept. When he arrived at the UCSB Special Research Collections Library, he got straight to work. Russo combed through boxes for hours, carefully checking every document they had. Most of the materials were irrelevant to his research on the Boiling River. But as he lifted the lid off box 89, a label caught his eye. It read, Agua Caliente, Peru, Geologic Reports. Heart racing, Russo lifted a folder out of the box. Inside, he found a stack of old yellowed papers, a pile of unpublished notes on the earliest stages of Amazonian oil development. According to the notes, in the late 1920s, the Peruvian Amazon was a hotspot for the international oil business. Major corporations secretly sent teams of geologists to the jungle to locate areas that were rich in fossil fuels. As they did, geologist Robert Moran happened to be conducting an aerial survey of the region of Peru that contained the Boiling River. He spotted a large dome-shaped landform rising out of the Amazon jungle. He later called it the Agua Caliente Dome, and he immediately suspected it was a natural oil well. Between 1930 and 1932, Moran organized a team of researchers to investigate. While exploring, they identified numerous hot springs that they said warmed a tributary close to the dome. The researchers found that the springs sat just over a mile north of the oil well, and their waters flowed into the river at different points, heating its temperatures to as high as 194 degrees Fahrenheit. They likely noted that the river got so hot that it boiled small animals alive. This was the information Russo had been looking for. It was the boiling river, and Moran reported its existence five years before any oil company started drilling in the area. He breathed a sigh of relief. His beloved waterway was, in fact, a naturally occurring phenomenon. Luckily, Moran's report put Russo's second hypothesis to bed. He was still left without answers, but he wasn't without leads. As we mentioned, in 2011, Russo learned the Boiling River's water was meteoric, meaning it came from rain. This led him to a new theory. The river's heat was created by a massive, non-volcanic geothermal network, 
Based on his research, Rousseau hypothesized that rain could fall as far away as the Peruvian Andes and percolate down deep into the earth. Magma then heated the traveling rainwater underground before it eventually spewed out of cracks in the Earth's crust and heated the boiling river. Just as we have hot blood running through our veins, so too does the Earth contain scorching water that flows through its cracks and faults. These arteries that emerge onto the Earth's surface lead to geothermal wonders like the boiling river. This process would be intricately tied to what scientists called the geothermal gradient, the relationship between temperature and the layers of the Earth's crust. To put it simply, the further down you go, the hotter it gets. To create such scalding temperatures on such a massive scale, Rousseau suspected that the water heating the boiling river would have to move incredibly fast and travel deep into the Earth. If Rousseau's theory was correct, it would make the boiling river one of the largest non-volcanic geothermal surface features in the world. And the only way Rousseau could be sure was to journey back into the heart of the Amazon. In July 2012, Rousseau and a team of researchers ventured to, once again, visit the banks of the boiling river. They wanted to draw more water samples to help them construct an accurate thermal map. His previous samples were taken during the wet season, which ran from mid-December through mid-May. He wanted to account for the effect that the constant rainfall had on the river by taking some during the dry season. But even before running tests, Rousseau found evidence to support his latest theory. Early one morning, Rousseau slashed his way through the jungle alongside a local shaman, Maestro Juan Salazar. Using his machete, Salazar cleared a path down the slope to a stone riverbank. When they reached the boiling river's edge, the current was strong and steady. The heat emanating off the tributary was more intense than when Rousseau visited the year before. The temperature was almost unbearable. Thick clouds of white vapor rose from the surface, permeating the air around them. In the mist, they needed to squint to protect their eyes. The environment overwhelmed Rousseau. He almost forgot how precarious his position was. He was dangerously close to falling in, but he steadied himself. Carefully walking alongside the river, Rousseau scanned beyond the bubbling surface in front of him. The bubbles appeared to come from the stony riverbed. The hot water was coming up into the river through faults in the rock. At least, it seemed to be. The prospect excited Rousseau, but he needed to run tests on his samples to confirm. He wasn't out of the jungle just yet. Coming up, Rousseau attempts to confirm his geothermal gradient hypothesis. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, back to the story. After extensive research, geoscientist Andres Russo learned that the boiling river in the Peruvian Amazon wasn't created by volcanic activity or by the repercussions of oil companies mining fossil fields. This left Russo with one final speculation. A massive non-volcanic geothermal system was the tributary's heat source. When he returned to the Amazon in 2012, he discovered fault-fed hot springs in the boiling river, justifying this belief. As amazed as Russo was about this new revelation, he still needed to collect data to prove his theory. He set out into the Amazon once again in August 2013 to construct the first geothermal map of Peru. He wanted to research the Agua Caliente Dome, part of the oil field of the same name, roughly a mile south of the tributary. Upon his arrival, he met with Jose, an employee of Maple Gas Company. This was the gas and oil company that had rights to the area. Jose allowed Russo to explore the geology of the site. This access gave Russo an unprecedented opportunity to look at the deep earth temperatures around the boiling river. The data from these tests could help prove the waterway was part of a unique, massive geothermal system. But while Russo was researching this, he became distracted by a bigger issue. Driving around with Jose, Russo learned how the boiling river's rainforest was slowly vanishing. During his initial visit to the Amazon in 2011, Russo had witnessed the environmental devastation near the Boiling River firsthand. Loggers cut down and sold valuable trees and torched the remaining jungle to make way for agriculture. Most of the land outside the boundary of Mayantuyaku contained large barren clearings and heavily eroded dirt roads. Since then, the problem had only grown worse. Jose confided in Russo that there was an environmental catastrophe happening in plain sight. Poachers, loggers, and squatters were invading the jungle, hunting animals, and felling trees. They dumped gasoline on the cleared land and torched it until it was nothing but charred remains. Even as the fields began to recover, locals used it as farmland rather than restore the rainforest. These drastic changes to the landscape around the Boiling River brought several negative environmental impacts. 
This included water contamination, soil degradation, and isolation of wildlife. Especially in the Amazon, tree roots are essential to hold dirt in place and prevent erosion. With the forest cut down, heavy rains can sweep soil away, contaminating rivers and lakes with it. Additionally, deforestation can also lead to the elimination of wildlife habitats, destroying the homes of thousands of native species. Russo wondered how these opportunists could be so heartless. But he knew development in the Amazon affected high-poverty areas. Perhaps poor Peruvians needed to find a way out of their circumstances. However, recognizing the complexity of the situation didn't make things any better for Russo. And yet, Russo wasn't completely hopeless either. Maestro Salazar and other members of the Mayantuyaku community mentioned that maple gas was a good neighbor. Russo felt they sincerely cared about the rainforest and weren't solely protecting the rainforest out of self-interest. As Russo considered these thoughts, he and Jose finally arrived at the Agua Caliente Dome. It looked exactly as Robert Moran had described in his 1933 report, a large, broad, elliptical-shaped landform rising out of the jungle. As he exited the car, Russo looked around. A lush, beautiful forest edged the road. Large signs were stationed around the area, reminding workers to properly dispose of their waste, protect the environment, and not pester the wildlife. Clearly, maple gas tried to take good care of their pocket of the Amazonian jungle. But as Russo would see, that wasn't the case everywhere. An hour later, Russo and Jose walked along the path to the Pachitea River, a stream located at the head of the boiling river. Halfway there, Russo witnessed a startling view. A large patch of jungle was just gone. There were no trees in sight. All that remained were tree stumps, piles of sawdust, and wood chips. In less than a year since his last journey to the Amazon, a huge part of the Boiling River's forest had disappeared. Russo was astonished. He knew protecting the entire rainforest was unrealistic, but he wanted to find a way to preserve the land surrounding the river. Russo believed the key to conservation lay in researching the Boiling River's unique geothermal system. If he could prove it was a biologically significant national treasure, maybe the Peruvian government would protect it. Flash forward to 2014. Russo planned on taking one more trip to the Boiling River to finish up his fieldwork. He had asked Google to procure decades worth of high-resolution satellite imagery of the area around the Boiling River. This gave Russo a clearer idea of the scale of deforestation in that part of the Amazon, and the situation was dire. The images showed that from 2004 to 2011, pasture land, deforestation, and clear burnings had gradually replaced the jungle. Knowing what was in store didn't make things easier for Russo when he traveled back to the Amazon. On his previous journeys, the trek from the city of Pukaiput to the sanctuary of Mayantuyaku required a two-hour drive, a 30-minute canoe ride, and an hour-long walk through the jungle. 
Deforestation had advanced so much by 2014 that it only took a comfortable three-hour drive to get from Pukaipa to the Boiling River. But Russo was still determined to do everything he could to save the region's ecosystem. During his 2014 trip, he collected water, rock, and mineral samples from the river every day. He hoped this would improve his understanding of the relationship between the water and the rock formations it flowed through. He studied the algae, bacteria, and other microorganisms that lived in and around the river at deadly temperatures. These would help him identify the most sensitive areas that needed protection. By the end of the week, Russo had gathered enough specimens and heat measurements to complete his research. But before heading back to the United States, he needed to take care of one final thing. On the eve of his departure, Russo walked over to Maestro Salazar's hammock to say goodbye. He filled the shaman in on his studies and reassured him that he would find a way to protect the jungle while respecting the spirits. Maestro listened intently to Russo's words, smiling through twirls of smoke from his tobacco pipe. He told the geoscientist that at first, he only wanted indigenous Amazonians to visit Mayantuyaku in order to preserve the culture and their connection to the jungle. But he admitted that the world had changed and he believed it was important to share their ancient traditions with others. Russo recalled his grandfather's tale about the Spanish conquistadors encountering the boiling river. He wanted to ask Maestro about it for years, but the time never seemed right until now. Russo asked Maestro, does Paititi, the city of gold, exist? The shaman laughed and responded, you mean you've missed it? Russo gave the shaman a confused look. Maestro gestured to the jungle around them, and Russo understood what he meant. The so-called city of gold had been the richness of the Amazon itself all along. In 2016, Russo delivered a TED Talk on the Boiling River. Along with sharing anecdotes about his ventures to the Amazon, he officially established that the Boiling River was real. Based on the data he collected, Russo confirmed that an enormous hydrothermal system most likely fueled the Peruvian tributary. Russo explained that the Earth's own geothermal gradient heated the system. He suggested rainwater seep deep into the ground where it became superheated. The pressure then forced the water upward through faults. Then, it shot into a stream via hot springs, forming the boiling river. Though there was still more research to be done, Russo emphasized that the waterway was made possible because of this tremendous anomalous plumbing system that was unlike anything else in the world. Not only was the Boiling River a totally unique global phenomenon, but so were the life forms that Russo discovered on his 2014 trip to the Amazon. He identified several microorganisms as brand new discoveries. However, even though he'd finally discovered the source of the river's thermal heat, Russo didn't publish the overwhelming majority of his results on the Boiling River. He made this decision after discussions with local leaders and conservation groups. 
He worried that handing over his research would lead both energy companies and curious tourists to contaminate the site's spiritual beauty and cultural sanctity. As of this recording, Russo's quest to protect the boiling river continues. The Peruvian government hasn't implemented any measures to protect the area. Russo and other conservationists aim to declare the boiling river a Peruvian national monument. Additionally, they hope to change the legal designation of the region to a jungle exclusively used for ecotourism. Even so, those who have visited the area are concerned that sightseeing at the Boiling River also poses a threat to the area. Some say uncontrolled exploration of the site can be ecologically damaging and exploitative of traditional cultures. Russo and other conservationist collaborators are working hard to promote responsible travel that both respects the native Peruvian lifestyle and protects the jungle. The future of the Boiling River may seem uncertain, but the river has weathered through the ages, surviving civil wars and foreign invasions. With any luck and proper preservation, it will continue flowing and feeding the jungle long after all of us are gone. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the Boiling River, amongst the many sources we used, we found BoilingRiver.org and Andres Russo's book, The Boiling River, Adventure and Discovery in the Amazon, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Sam Rosenberg, with writing assistance by Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Anya Bayerly, and research by Brad Klein and Brian Petrus. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Thank you.